We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the spirit of truth to be in this room in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And all the saints said, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, team. So good. I think one of the most frustrating things for me and probably for all of us is when you go to speak to someone about this Jesus that you know and you open up your heart like Lawrence just said then, you know, I'm going to be vulnerable, I'm going to open up my heart. And you go to open up your heart to someone to talk to this Jesus who you know and you get the pushback. And the pushback is usually, I'm not into religion or I'm not religious I hate that word, religion. To me, it's like a dirty taste in my mouth because what it says to me is there is a mindset out there that when we talk about Jesus, that they hear religion. I guess it was no different in his day when he walked in, around the streets and displayed the reality of God to mankind when Jesus came and, and revealed the Father to people and he was healing the sick and raising the dead and, and loving sinners and bringing people to life and there was these religious people pushing back on him, in fact, ultimately killing him for doing what was the most beautiful thing, loving people. If only people knew how much that he loved them, would they push back and go, no, I'm not religious. And I always, I always answer them and say, well, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. But they have no concept for that because all they have in their minds is these thoughts about religion. Yeah? Just turn that down a little bit, please, Nathan, that music. And so how can we get in there? How do we open them up to a place where they can hear about Jesus and actually know the real Jesus and feel the real Jesus? Because his heart is that none will perish. Is that right? His heart is that none will perish. And I, I truly believe that he wants to reveal himself like never before on the earth today. Like never before. And I think the problem is not with Jesus, but the problem is with us. Because really deep down inside of us, there still lives religion. It still hasn't been crucified. I mean, I do a lot of prayer ministry people. I meet with people through the week. You know, that's what I love to do. That's my favorite thing in the whole world is to sit in a room with a person and unlock the lies that stop them from entering into the fullness of relationship with Jesus Christ. Allow Jesus to come into the room and his presence to come into the room and reveal the lies that they've lived off their whole lives. Lies about themselves, lies about their worth, 
Lies about who they are in Christ. Lies, 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 lies. And then the spirit of truth comes. And it unravels the lie by bringing the truth. And truth, the Bible says, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. I can't believe how many times I sit in that room with people, beautiful people who are so loved, and I can feel Jesus almost weeping over them. And yet they will sit there and say, I don't believe he loves me. I don't believe I'm good enough. I don't believe he talks to me. I don't believe I can see him or feel him. I do all the religious stuff but I still feel like I can't sense him. And it must break his heart, you know? It must break his heart. I mean, imagine what it's like for a parent for a moment, like for Father God. Imagine if you just poured all your love out on your kids and you say, come and give me a hug, and they just, oh, no, I don't really believe I deserve that, Dad, Mum. Or, you know, you want to give them a gift. And they go, no, 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 I'm not even going to unwrap that gift because you don't understand. I told a lie yesterday. I don't deserve that gift. But the parent says, but I want you to have this gift. I forgive you. It's all over. Like, receive, receive, receive. All I want to do is love. All I want to do is love you. I just want to love you. And, and, you know, the Bible says, let the little children come to him. Suffer not the little children. But inside of us, we're all little children pushing back on dad still. You know, if we can just be like a little child, the Bible says, then we can see and we can enter into the kingdom of heaven. If we could just have the faith of a little child. When you say to a little child, do you know Jesus loves you? Oh, yes. Can you see the angels in the room? Oh, yes. If I ask Jesus to come close to you, can you see him? Yes. He's right here. He's got his arm on my shoulder right now. What's one thing that Jesus loves about you? Oh, he loves everything about me. If we could just be like a child, amen? But this, our heads, our belief system, our belief systems are what stop us. The things that have happened to us in our lives stop us. From, uh, from really entering in. Religion versus relationship. What is the difference? When you think about religion, you think about rules and regulations. That's what most people will think. And even so, we think about it, even though we don't realise we're still doing it, we still do it. Because we've still got a devil that lies to us. Rules and regulations. Did you get this right? Did you get that right? You can turn that music off until the end. Thanks, Nate. Did you get this right? Did you get that right? Did you get this right? Did you get that right? Rules and regulations. When you think about people trying to say to people, like, just come to church, you know, just meet with Jesus. And they go, oh, the roof will cave in. Or, no, no, I, I still smoke. Or, I drink or I swear or they think about all the, the stuff that 
wouldn't even let them come in through the doors of a church. It is so oh, frustrating. Isn't it, Frank? So frustrating. If you only knew. But here we are, we sit in church and we still have the same walls from before we got saved. There's still a lot of those walls and those things. We still feel like we have to keep the rules or we're out. (laughs) We still feel like if we blow it, then we've blown it. It's all over. But you know what? Jesus is not like that at all. And he wants to reveal himself in these days like we have never known before. You know that this, this new creation that's inside of us, this, this Father, Son, Holy Spirit inside of us, we only live out of about 10% of what we could live out of. The price has been paid for us to live 100% out of here. What would happen if there was no lies, no deception, no demonic, nothing that would stop us entering to the fullness of the realm of the glory that lives inside of us? You know, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives and dwells in my mortal body. What if I could just let him out? What if I could let this same spirit take every part of my being until it fills every part of my being with the glory of God? What if there was nothing that stopped it? What if there was no lies, no, nothing written on my DNA? What if he could come and wash my DNA clean? What if he could come and take away my past? What if he could come and make me a new creation? Well, I thought that's what being born again was. Whoever believes in me, the Bible says, will be a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away, the new has come. It is finished, Jesus said. Amen? You're so quiet. Are you all right? Hallelujah. You're listening intently. It's so funny, you know, when you hear of American preachers and they come to Australia and they're so used to America, amen, preachers, yeah, yeah. And they come to Australia, it's like, you can't even hear anyone breathe. It's like, are you alive? I don't mind as long as you're listening, listening with your spirits, amen. So we've got this new creation being. When Jesus died on the cross, and rose on the third day. He gave us the opportunity to actually become new beings, new creations. Amen? Not just like a a rehash of the old, but actually brand new. Your sins are washed away. Your past is removed from you. As far as the eastern is from the west, your sin has been removed. Amen? I will wash you white as snow. Though your sins were red like scarlet, I have washed you white as snow. Like it's a brand new beginning and a brand new creature. And this creation being that's inside of us, 
that connects with our own spirit, with God's spirit, our spirit, Holy Spirit, Father God, living inside of us, now has the ability to grow inside of us, like beginning at a child, and then it grows and 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 it grows, grows, until we come into, the Bible says, into the maturity of our faith, until you fully understand what I have done for you. But to understand, we have to now relinquish the lies that we believe probably our whole lives. You know, that you have, to, you have to do something to be loved. You have to pass a test to please dad. You have to do well. You can't make any mistakes. You know, all of our love is, is conditional love, right? Is that right? Yeah. It's all conditional. It's all like, I will love you if. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of the discipline we had growing up, I know in my day, I don't know about you guys because you're helicopter parents and you're probably a little different, but in my day it was sort of like... Um, you know, don't cry, stiff up a lick, get over it. You know, it was like, you know, there was no, there was no grace for anything. It was just, and lots of punishment, lots of discipline, not a lot of love. Because we came from like the war generation. And it was like, you know, you do wrong. I mean, my father just had to touch his belt. We'd all, six of us would go running, you know. He'd just touch his belt. We knew that belt down hurt. And uh, we weren't going to do anything wrong. And there was a lot of discipline. But there wasn't a lot of love with that discipline. So it's like, if I be good, dad will love me. If I be good, mum will love me. If I be bad, they don't love me anymore. And this is how we're conditioned at school. If I'm good, I'll be rewarded. If I'm bad, I'll be ignored. Isn't that true? Yeah? And so everything is conditional you know, on what, how we receive love and how we receive praise and, and how we receive self-worth. But when you look at a child, really, I look at Jillian and Andrew's children, uh, my grandchildren, and, you know, Jess and Nev's kids, like they've been brought up with so much love around them and just, just you know, they're, yes, they're, they're, they're disciplined and they're well-behaved children, they're incredible but this love that they just know, they just know that they know that they know that they know that they're loved. They know it. Amen. If you ask them, does dad love you? Oh, of course dad loves me. You know, he tells me every day. He tell, not because I did something good. He just tells me that he loves me because I am. How, what a wonderful feeling to know that you're loved just because you are. Just because you are. Just because you were made in the image of God and created by a heavenly father that absolutely is besotted by you. Amen? Interested in every part of your lives. Am I getting something through to you this morning? Amen. You know, I have to ask you this question. And this is like interactive, all right? You're allowed to speak. It's all right. Um, Can you go to church every week... Maybe even serve in the church and not really have a relationship with God. Yes, you can. But how can that be? How can that be? 
It's because we live in this, in, in, in this place where what we present, like I love what Lawrence said this morning, you know, I mean, he had his sermon ready, didn't you, Lawrence? And it was good because he's a teacher. He's got a teacher's mind, so he wanted to lay out something from a teaching perspective. But then I hit him with a doozy and said, no, let's get real. Let's just put a bit of personal in there and it just, whoa, it just opened up. So we can come to church and we can do all the religious things. We can say the right things. We can act the right way. We can even lift our hands in worship. The Bible says that though they worship me with their lips, their hearts are far from me. You know, what are you thinking about when you're worshipping? Are you really connecting with him? Or are you just going through motions? Are you just singing songs? What are you thinking about right now while I'm talking to you? Where's your mind? Where are you going? Hello, come back in Jesus' name, amen. Because <laughs> our hearts have to have a meaningful relationship with Christ. He looks at the heart, you know what I mean? God says, I look at the heart. I'm looking inside you. You know, I love that. Intimacy, if we look at the word intimacy, Jesus wants to be intimate with us. And if we break that word down, intimacy, it it breaks down like this. Into me you see. Into me you see. Intimacy is when he's that close to us. That you can feel his breath on your face. That's how close he wants to be. When you can feel those eyes of fire looking in to you and burning up all the mess and the chaff inside of you and burning fiery love inside of you that breaks down every wall. You know what I mean? It's like when his presence is with you every minute of every day. It's relationship. When you go to bed at night, he's in your room. When you wake up in the morning, he's waiting for you. He's on the dawn. Amen. Waiting for you to arise. Waiting for you. It's just I just got a new puppy. Six months old, this puppy. And of course now, you know, it's toilet trained, but we've got to make sure it stays toilet trained. And we've got it locked on the back porch. So obviously I've got to get up early in the morning and make sure it goes to the toilet. And so I've got to open the gate, let it down, go to the toilet, come at good dog, good dog, good dog, all that sort of stuff. And so this morning I got up like, you know, five o'clock and went down to take her to the toilet. And she straight away went into the toilet and said, good dog, good dog. And then I go and say, okay, now I need my pressure. I was sitting on my on my lounge, you know, freezing, trying to get the aircon going, freezing, trying to get my prayer time. And she's at the back door like this. <coughs> and I walk over there to... You know, there's this feeling like this person really wants to have a relationship with me. And I'm just trying to ignore her. Do you know what I mean? All right, I'll bring your bed in and put your bed at my feet while I pray. Just sit in your bed and chew a toy and be quiet. You know, then she's like... But Jesus is like that. He's just waiting. He's just hovering, waiting for us. She goes, let's have some, you know what I mean? You want to play? You want to talk? Come on, I'm right here. Hallelujah. He's not impressed with our religious activity. 
He's not impressed with our religious activity. He just wants to know us. Hallelujah. You know, there's a verse in the, in the, New, in the, the, the book of Revelations, I think it is, and it, says, um, and it says this, you know, they went in through the doors and the doors were shut. And he said this, depart from me. Oh, they came to him and they said, oh, but Jesus, you know, we did miracles in your name. You know, we, we did all these things in your name. Like they were doing good stuff in his name. And he said to this, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. That's a weird thing to say to people that are doing miracles and doing signs and wonders and doing things in his name. What does he mean by that? You workers of iniquity. Iniquity is generational things that are passed down to you that you're still working out in your life and still functioning out of. And then he says, I never knew you. That word knew there, you know, because there's lots of different words in the Hebrew and in the Greek for the same words that we use for everything. When we go knew, I knew. It's just knew. I knew you. But that word there is exactly the same word that he uses in the book of Genesis when it says, and Adam knew Eve. What he was saying to them was, you've still got so much iniquity running through your veins and through your, the outworking of your good works that actually there's no intimate relationship with you. You don't intimately know me. He's more interested in our hearts and this relationship than he is in all our religious works. Not saying that works are bad because faith without works is dead, right? But the works have got to come out of, like Lawrence said, out of love. They come out of like this place where I love you so much that I just want to, I want to serve you, Jesus. I want to serve your people. I want to lay on the floor on my face and cry with you. You know, I want to dance with you. I want to sing with you. I want to give to you. I'll give you my whole life. I want to do everything in you. That's where it comes from. It comes from a place of love. Amen. And when we're expressing that, we get a revelation of his love. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. Hallelujah. You know, Corinthians tells us in Corinthians 13, if you read 1 Corinthians 13, you know, it talks all about the expressions of love. I won't go into it now for time's sake. But love is patient, love is kind, love is long-suffering. That is not talking about our love, obviously. Because, you know, we, we, I don't think we'll ever get all that right. But it's talking about the love of God. The love of God is good and it's kind, it's long-suffering, it's patient, it's enduring. Amen? And that what it's trying to say to us there is trying to give us a picture of what unconditional love looks like. And the Word of God says that the love of God is agape love. It means unconditional, agape Totally different from the way that we love. Our love is conditional. His love is unconditional. Do you understand what unconditional means? It means unconditional. It means no conditions attached to it. It means that he loves you no matter what. No conditions. Nothing. It's written in the blood of his son. Is written in the blood of his son. Conditions have been paid. Unconditional. In Jesus' name. Shh, shh, 
Paul and he's going, shh, shh. That's, she's talking to her phone. I hope those that are watching online are getting this this morning. Like the presence of God is so strong in here. And I just pray, I'm just going to pray over the people watching right now. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give everyone within the sound of my voice spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand. Open their eyes, open their ears, open our eyes, open our ears that we may truly hear truth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The price has been paid in full. You know, when we think about the prodigal son story, those who knows the prodigal son story? Everyone. Yeah, those watching online, if you don't know the prodigal son story, the story is all about a son who gets his inheritance early. He runs away. He blows it all. He ends up being, you know, feeding the pigs or eating the pig slop. And he says, I've got to go home. I've got to go home to my father. Even if I'm going to be a servant, I'm running home to my father. It's all a picture of the way that we can run away and then we come back. And the father's waiting with open arms. He kills a fatted calf. He puts robes, rings, shoes on him. He has a big party and he celebrates. My son was dead, but now he's alive. We all look at that story and we focus on the prodigal son. But what about the other son? Anyone ever think about the other son, the son that was always there, the son who never left, the son who didn't ask for his inheritance early? But this son starts to get upset. He's looking at his brother who's just been wild, blown the inheritance, done everything wrong, come home. And he says to the father, I'm really upset. Like, you know, he comes back, he's done all this stuff and you... Kill the fatted calf, you chuck a party for him, you do all this stuff, you know. And you know, what about me? I've always been here. And he says, son, all of this was always yours for the taking. There was always a fatted calf. There was always a party for you. There was always a robe and a ring and shoes. It was always here, but you never partook of it. You know, that's like us in the church are like the older son. We see these people getting saved and healed and delivered. And it goes, what about me, God? It's like, well, it's all yours. It's always been here. If you would recognize that you are not a slave. See, the, the older son said this. I've been slaving away at this for years. That was his mentality. I'm a slave. I'm not a son. The other son had a change of mind, a change of mentality, and ran home as a son and fell at his father's feet. Totally different. That's what we've got to do. we just got to get that, right? I just want to go to my PowerPoint and just take you through some things that about religion versus relationship and try and break some of these lies down. Amen? You can put that music on now. Dun, dun, dun. You can tell I come from theatrics. I always need that. <laughs> so here we have what religion is, what relationship is. Two sides of the screen. Let's look at this. Religion is fear. The scriptures say, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power 
and of love and of sound mind. How many times when we want to go be with Jesus that we get fear? We're afraid. Even we're afraid of what we will experience. We're afraid of if he sees us, if he looks at us, is he going to see who I really am? Fear. And then relationship equals love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Who can tell me what happened to punishment when Jesus hung on the cross, according to Isaiah 53? Bible test. Yes. And what was the scripture? Yeah. Say it out. Yeah, and it actually says, he took our punishment, for he was bruised for our iniquities. He was pierced for our transgression. And our punishment was upon him, and by his stripes... We are healed. How many stripes did he take for your punishment? How many times was he whipped until you believe it? How, many, how, mu- how much does the crown of thorns have to be crushed into his skull for you actually believe that he took your punishment? How many nails have to be driven through his hands and through his feet? How much does he have to bleed? How much does he have to suffocate on a cross? How much does he have to have a a spear through his side. Fear has to do with punishment. And we've got to get away from the fact that we deserve to be punished and we're waiting for punishment all the time. He took your punishment. He doesn't punish. Amen? You got that one? Okay. Okay. Religion equals control. Relationship equals freedom. And Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So ask yourself that question. Put your hand on your belly. Ask yourself, does the Spirit of God live in me? The Spirit of God live in you? If the Spirit of God lives in you, you're not controlled. You're not controlled by sinful nature. You're not controlled by anything. Amen? If the Spirit of God lives in me, I am controlled by the Spirit of God. I am led by the Spirit of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. So relationship is freedom. There's so much freedom. Ah, ah. When you realize how much you loved and how much he doesn't want to punish you and how much he doesn't want to control you, that's another thing people think about religion. Like, he just wants to tell me what to do and what not to do. I remember when we first became Christians, it was like everyone was like, you know, saying, okay, well, did you give up smoking? Did you give up drinking? Did you give up drugs? Like, what did you do? Did you give it all up? You know, like, and we went, actually, it wasn't 
We didn't even think like that. It was like the more that we got filled up with his love, it was like these things just popped off the top because I don't need that anymore. Fill up, gone in Jesus' name. My desires changed because of love. Amen? So I'm not controlled by my sinful nature. I'm filled up with love, which brings me freedom. And that's in John 8.36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Religion, you're never good enough. Who feels like that? I'm never good enough, no matter what I do. I don't tell you how many people I minister to that never feel good enough. Oh, it's such a lie. It makes me mad. Relationship says you are good through Christ. Romans 8.1, therefore, since we are, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I could preach you know, on each one of these points for a month, but I'm just going through them quickly. Religion makes you self-righteous. We know that from the Pharisees, but sometimes we can get a little self-righteous ourselves because we hide behind self-righteousness. I've got it all together, not really. I've got it all. No, I'm not really. You haven't got it all together. Be real. Just get real. Amen? Relationship um, brings righteousness through Christ. That I may have Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Do you know when Jesus, when Father looks at you, I was told this early in my Christian life. When Father looks at you, he sees a rainbow. He sees a rainbow over your head because he's looking at you through the reflection of Jesus. He just sees peace. He just sees his son. He sees his son, Jesus. He doesn't see your sin. Amen? Religion gives you an orphan spirit, like you can never fit, like I don't belong. You know, I, they talk about family in that church, but I just feel like I'm on the out or I go there and I don't feel like I can connect with anyone. That's an orphan spirit. And religion will give you that. Amen. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus said, but I will come to you. John 14, 8. Relationship gives you sonship. For as many who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba means daddy. It's the most intimate thing you can call a father. You know, I can say, yes, father, no father. But when I go, daddy, it's a completely different relationship. And he's saying that through the spirit of sonship, we can actually call Father God daddy. It comes into this father-child relationship where we're, we're just so accepted and so loved. And it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 8, 14 to 16. Religion kills. Who knows that? <laughs> Not only kills you, kills other people as well. Amen. Look at all the religious wars that are going on. You know, it's all religion. But relationship gives life. 2 Corinthians 3.6. He has made us ministers of a new covenant. Everyone say new covenant. Touch your belly, say new covenant. New creation. 
not of the letter, but of the, the letter means the law, right? Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. 2 Corinthians 3, 6. Religion is full of rules. Relationship is full of grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Religion is fruitlessness. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, adultery, sorcery, contention, jealousy, um, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. As if that wasn't a full enough list. <laughs> and the like. You know, you'll still act like those things if you're just living out of religion. Because you, you will be putting on a religious face in front of your Christian friends and then you just live like that when you walk out the door. That's religion. But relationships brings fruit. And it says this, Galatians 5, 22, 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Who wants some of this? Patience, kindness, breathe it in, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when you're living out of relationship with Jesus, he's, oh, he's getting all those nasty edges off us. He, he's bringing us into the likeness of Christ. He's letting us live out of this fruit and you feel so much better. Amen? Well, your old nature was like, have an outburst of anger at someone and your new nature is, oh, it's okay. I forgive you. La-da-da. So nice. Let's love each other. Amen. (laughs) It's so different. Hallelujah. Religion veils God's presence. God's presence is veiled. Whenever you're living out of religion and a religious mindset, it's like, I can't feel God. I can't see God. I can't experience God. What's wrong with me? That's because you must be thinking out of a religious mindset. You need to renew your mind. You need to change your mind. Amen? And it says here, yes, even today, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's the veil of religion. And it can come over and we need to get, like, just get that veil off. You know, there's times where you have to actually activate what the scriptures say about you and not be a victim. You feel like that religious spirit's coming over you, condemning you, you know, come, you know, lying to you, making you feel like God's presence is there when Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. That's a lie. Amen. So I take off the veil of religion. I take off the veil of unbelief. I take off condemnation. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. We need to start using the word of God and start to employ it. Listen to this message again. Write the scriptures down. Start to highlight them in your Bibles and use them as weapons of war so that we can all grow into maturity and we can express the fullness of Christ to this earth. And then people won't look at you when you're trying to talk to them and say, I'm not into religion. They're going to say, I'll have what you're having. I'll have what you're having because whatever you got, you know, I can be on the other side of a shopping center and someone follows me around follows me around, happened to me with an old lady, followed me around. 
and she, you know, she's just talking to me, comes up and talks to me. What is it about you? You know, I feel like I need to talk to you. I said, yeah, well, okay, let's talk. Let's talk by the zucchinis. And she just goes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm 89 and I'm going to die soon and I'm scared to die and I need to talk to someone about what's going to happen when I die. I said, oh, well, I'm the perfect person <laughs> to talk to you like that, about that. And so I started sharing with her, you know, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you'll be in his arms immediately, you close your eyes. And then when I come, I'm going to meet you at the gate and it's just going to be a glorious time. Anyway, I gave her a long story. And then she said, well, I said, well, can I pray for you? She said, yes, dear. And so by the zucchinis, I laid hands on an 89-year-old woman and led her to Jesus Christ. Not because I gave her religion, but because she said, there's something about you. I want what, you, I want what you've got. Amen. And I I led her to Jesus and she was beautifully saved. And I mean, I know one day I'm going to go up there, I'm going to go, hi. And, you know, she's going to say, hi. You know, remember that day by the zucchinis? It was so amazing. Changed my life forever. Amen. And that's who we're going to be, right? This is, this is what we're doing. He's unveiling us. He's unveiling his bride. He's letting us have truth inside of us. You know, if we know that we're loved, we can share that. We can be real about it. When we've had a real experience, I can share it. You know what I mean? I'm just talking to someone about religion. No, no, no. It says that a person with with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. You can argue scriptures all day long. When the Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door, I don't argue scriptures. I tell them how I met Jesus, how he looked into my eyes, how he changed my life, how he's with me every day and every moment. Do you feel Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you see Jesus? Do you know that his blood has set you free, not just to do works, but to be in a relationship with him? And they don't come to my house anymore. (laughs) Don't go to that house. It's like there's this mark on their map. Don't go to that house. You may get converted, you know. Oh, yes. Good. Tiny. Let's go. But we want them to come back because we want them to get converted. So then you need to pray that off them and and pray that they come. Amen. So religion is God's presence. Veiled relationship is face-to-face intimacy. Remember, into me you see. Intimacy. Remember that. Intimacy isn't about you praying a prayer and getting some goosebumps. Intimacy is about Jesus. He's here. He sees into me. Amen. And we with all unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We're being transformed into his image. Amen. You know, Jesus revealed himself to his disciples after he rose from the dead. In all his glory and all his wonder, now he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the mighty God. You think that he would have shown up in an epiphany and they'd all fall on their faces and worship him. No, he just walked through the wall. He just cooked some fish for Peter. You know what I mean? He just walked and talked with them. He just met with Thomas and didn't, wasn't a bright light and 
an epiphany and Thomas fall on your face because now I'm the king. It's like Thomas just looking at him. Yeah, I know you still don't believe, Thomas. Stick your fingers in my hands. Come on, come on, come on. Stick your fingers in the holes. Yeah, it's really me. Like he was real. And he's still real. Even when I see him in his glory and his majesty and there's so much light coming from him that I'm nearly blinded, he still comes close to me and smiles and goes, this morning he came next to me, put his hand on his shoulder, on my shoulder, and he said, let's do this together today. I said, great, <laughs> let's go. He said, you've got this, you've got this. He's just talking to me. You've got this. Let's just do this together. When you walk up, I'll just walk up with you. I'll just be with you. We'll just go up there together. He's standing right here. Can anybody see him? He's right here. Oh, no, he's on this side now. Thank you, Jesus. He loves to play games too. Amen. Hallelujah. I love that, that he just was real. When he revealed himself, he was real. After his resurrection, he was real. He's more real than when he was alive. He's more real. Amen. Because now he's fully God. Now he's in, his, in, his, in, in, in the form of his deity, but he understands our humanity because he walked amongst us. And it says in Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of our poets have said, we are his offspring. In him we live. In him we move. We don't just in him we come to church. In him we have a prayer time once a day. In him we put on a worship song and enter into his presence for five minutes. No, in him I live. In him I move. In him I have my very being. See, this being inside of us is growing and growing and growing and growing until it's just him. It's just him in us, the fullness of glory and the fullness of beauty. Amen. I love this prayer in Ephesians, and I'm closing in a moment. I pray that the Father of glory, I pray, I pray this every day, every day, I pray this prayer over you, and then I pray it over me every day and it would be a good prayer that you could pray every day that he might open your eyes amen it's in Ephesians 1 17 18 it says I pray ooh, that the father of glory the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is the wealth of his glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. His holy ones. Put your hand on your head and say, I'm a holy one. Now feel the holiness just flood through you. Amen. And I love this scripture because it's calling on the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to bring us into deeper intimacy with him. And then he says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. See, we have a godly imagination. 
And we always think that we have to see things like physical see. But actually we have eyes in here. And when I say, you know, when I see Jesus standing there, I can't see him physically standing there. I see him with the eyes of my spirit. When I hear him, I hear him with the ears of my spirit. And so I'm asking the Lord to flood me with light, to flood my imagination, my godly imagination with light, that I might activate my godly imagination and see with my spirit. The Bible says, as, as Andrew said in the beginning, what was that scripture you said, Andrew? For we see in this, uns- the, 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 yeah, can you read, can you give us that scripture? Thanks, darling. Oh, gosh. Okay, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what we see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. You were tracking this morning. Amen. So why don't we just close our eyes right now for a couple of minutes, just a couple of minutes more. I know it's a little late. We're going to just be a few more minutes. Because Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us, right? And he said whenever two or three are gathered in his name, there he would be in the midst of them. So right now he's waiting to engage with you. So instead of an altar call time, we can have encounter time, personal encounter time with Jesus. Hallelujah. So this is how you activate the eyes of your imagination. And this is what I do. Keep your eyes closed. You've been looking at this room all morning. You know just about where everything is in this room. So keep your eyes closed and I want you to out loud, saying to yourself, out loud, say it out loud because it activates your faith where things are in this room. So just start to look around the room with the eyes of your spirit. And just go like, there's a stage up there. There's th- just start, just start. The chairs are there. Yeah, just say it out loud. I'm watching your mouths. No one's moving. Open your mouths. Say it out loud because it activates something. That's it. That's right. Now, you see that you saw with the eyes of your imagination, right? That's how you activate the eyes of your imagination. And so now what I want you to do with those same eyes of imagination, just look around the room and see where Jesus is for you. Now, some of you may not see him straight away. You might feel a sense. You might see light. You might sense a warmth. It's all right. We're learning to activate something, and we get better at it as we go. You might just sense something and not be able to see. But right now, just everybody, just point to where Jesus is in the room for you. Just point. Yeah, some of you are saying he's holding your shoulder and others are pointing over there, over there. It's in different spaces for everybody. Now, I want you to do this. Say, Jesus, will you come close to me? 
Now, when he's close to you, and if you can't feel him close to you, just keep looking because sometimes it's our unbelief that says, no, no, I, I can't see like that. When you feel him close to you, have a look at his face. What's he wearing? How's he dressed? That will speak to you. Is he coming like a shepherd? Is he coming like a saviour? Is he coming like a king? Different times he'll be wearing different clothing, which will indicate to you what he wants to do in your life that day. Does he want to love on you like a shepherd? Does he want to lead you like a king? Now look at his face. And I'm going to ask you this question, is he smiling at you? Because if he's not smiling, he's not the real Lord Jesus. And you need to rebuke that and start again. Because he never growls at us. He's never angry. He always comes with a smile. Now just let that smile engulf you, that acceptance, that feeling of acceptance, that feeling of, okay, if he's coming to me, And then just out loud, again, because as you speak out loud, you're activating something inside of you. Just say out loud, just say, Jesus, what's one thing you love about me? And then just listen to the first thing that comes to your mind. Put up your hand if he said something. Then ask him again. What's one thing, what's another thing you love about me? First thing that comes to your mind. Now recently I got to minister to someone who really struggles to hear Jesus, to feel Jesus, to see Jesus. And because of mental health problems, really doesn't understand even words. And I took her through this exercise and I said, what's one thing Jesus loves about you? And straight away, she said, I'm kind, kindness. And then she said, what does that mean? Because she didn't understand words. I had to explain what kindness meant. Wow, I must have heard him because I don't even know what that means. Then I said, ask him something else he loves about you. She said, surrender. What does that mean? Next word, humility. What does that mean? No idea what these words meant. But Jesus was speaking to her. And she said, wow, this stuff really works. Something happens when we hear how he feels about us. And I feel like we've just got to slow down. Just slow down and find him in the still, small places. In the stillness, out of the chaos, hear the voice of peace speaking to you.
and then say, Jesus, is there anything you want to say to me today? Anything else? Is there anything you want to show me? He might highlight a scripture to you. He might take you into a vision, into a garden, into a throne room. He might just, you might just see yourself walking along the beach with him. That's what he does. See, he takes us into the unseen realm. He takes us into the garden and he walks with us and he ministers to us all over again. And the more that we can do this, the more that we can just annihilate the lies of the enemy through the word of God, the more that we can be with Jesus and allow the truth of who we are and how he feels about us to wash over us, the more we're going to become like him. For as we behold him, we are being changed from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory into the very image of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder if I could have the band up. Thanks. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to sing.